Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. We tackle the issues facing our sector through the ideas and stories of industry founders, leaders, and tech enthusiasts. On today's show, we're talking to the president of corporate and commercial for LV, Darren. But before that, hiya, Robin. Hi, thanks for having me back. It's all right. Got you on the website and everything now. Yeah, well, Jack isn't here, so still second best. Look, Josie always <laughs> used to give me this grief as well. It's like, I'm only ever allowed on when Jack's not here. <laughs> well, it's true. No, no, it's not, it's not that you're not allowed on the show when Jack's here. Yeah, I know, but he's on holiday, isn't he? He is on holiday, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where is he? Somewhere in Greece. He's been jetting off a lot these days. Well, Austin was with work. Right. That was work rather than holiday. This is holiday with Rosie and her family. Oh, that sounds lovely. He sent me a picture of himself. In fact, he put it on Twitter um, with a dog randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked like he was incredibly happy to be in the situation <laughs> yeah. that he was in. Anyway, you can't say a thing. You've just got back from holiday yourself. I know, but I'm sad that I'm back from holiday. Basically, you've got holiday blues and therefore you think it's unfair that other people are away. 100%. I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but you just told me that you were looking at flights for oh, September, yeah. so... Yeah, but for Switzerland. Which that, that's good. still nice. Yeah, I know, but it's just like the thought of the fact that I was just like laying in the sun two days ago, not a care of the world or the beer, and now I'm back. Not nice. But in yeah. in a month and a half, you'll be in Switzerland. Is that it? In the sun with a beer. A month and a half. Yeah. It feels like forever away, doesn't it, September? Uh, well, I suppose I'm away. Well, okay, it's the 10th of July, but we're getting on for the midpoint of July now. I just see, like, because I just feel like we're in midsummer and September just seems like so far late into the year. Yeah. It's crazy, it's just under two months away. Once you're into September, you're beginning to think about Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Which is just mental. Exactly. I, I still see it in my head, like, oh, it's like a year away, isn't it, September? <laughs> it's not. Unfortunately not. I know, over halfway now of the year. Yeah, but we are not quite at the midpoint of summer. What's the midpoint of summer? Well, halfway through July, you've then got August. So we're not quite halfway through summer. Yeah, almost, though. So let's not be too sad. Yeah. <laughs> you can still relax in the sun in, in England and have a beer. Yeah, true. I think it was hotter in England when I went away to Madeira, which yeah. makes me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but oh no, it was so much fun. We had such a good time. It wasn't. It was. It was a very adventurous holiday. It wasn't like really relaxing. Your first couple holiday. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was great though. We had such a good time. We done good. so much in like the short amount of time that we were there. We were there for five nights, but we had like a set plan that we wanted to do and see whilst we were there. Well, was it Fer- Fuerteventura? No, no Madeira. Madeira. Is that not the same thing? No, small Portuguese island. I thought they both were. Is it? I don't know. I might (laughs) be talking absolute rubbish. But you went to Madeira. Did you have Madeira cake? I did. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. I don't like raisins. Why? I think they're disgusting. Do you not like fruitcake? No. I I didn't realise it had um, raisins in it. But the parts I had without raisins in it was alright. But other than that, not my type of style of cake. But I gave it a go. It was, it was pretty cool. I would suggest anyone to go. It's very different from what I ever thought it would be. It's very rocky and hilly and cliff. It's like just black rock everywhere. For a minute I thought, oh, yeah, we were still talking about a cake, and I was like, obviously not. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cake's very rocky and hilly. No, okay. <laughs> no, Madeira was very different from what I yeah. assumed. It would be very different from like, kind of mainland Portugal. Very nice. But yeah, you should go. Very okay. cheap. Good. Well, look, you have no right to have holiday blues. 
I do. Okay. <laughs> um, but look, you're here, so you can now talk about LV. Which is better? <laughs> Obviously this. <laughs> That's what I said, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it wasn't a question. No. Okay. Yeah. Rhetorical. No way it wasn't a question. I'm getting confused. Statement. It was a statement. Which is better. This is better. This is better. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into the interview. Go on then. So today we're chatting to Darren. Uh, Darren, you work here at LV um, as, are you Chief Marketing Officer or are you Operations Director? Now, I'm neither now. now. Right. Now I'm the President of Corporate and Commercial. So right. I, I look after marketing, sales, finance, legal, HR, etc. And you've been at LV for about 15 months? Correct. Why did you join the business? What is it about LV? And for anyone who doesn't know LV, I suppose this is an opportunity to say what you do that kind of attracted you to the company. Sure. Well, LV is a, um, basically we're a consumer technology company. We build extraordinary products for women that focus on improving and changing their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two products to date. One is a connected pelvic floor trainer called LV Trainer. And the second one, which we just launched, is called LV Pump, which is the world's first silent wearable breast pump. Uh, what got me excited about LV is uh, it's just very purpose-driven. I mean, we literally wake up every day and focus on building uh, products that literally will change their lives, uh, and we focus purely on women at the moment. It's interesting because fifty percent of the world's population is women, but they, you know, we've we focused on this on the podcast in the, in the past. There are remarkably few femtech businesses out there. Lots of people have suggested that the investment community has ignored it or hasn't been interested up to this point. And that's, I suppose, stops the number of women becoming founders. They've, they've had to get male co-founders to attract investment, etc. Why do you think it is that more femtech products haven't made it through to the market right now? What, what do you think the, the, the challenges have been? Well, I think certainly in the last couple of years, we've seen a new trend where I think there's been about a billion invested in, in women's uh, companies or women's focus co- companies, which is great. But yes, I mean, up until now, or, or at least in the last few years, I think it just has been largely forgotten. It's It, it, it has been everything you said it is. We, we've had lots of venture capital firms that have been male-dominated, male-focused, and therefore it's been a category that's been less interesting or it's been viewed as niche. Uh, but uh, the good thing is, is we're starting to see some phenomenal uh, female founders come on board with phenomenal ideas, and we're starting to see investment coming in, getting behind them, uh, for what truly are groundbreaking products. But it is. But what's probably mostly true is that women have generally been forgotten in consumer products, and certainly for LV, uh, we be, we believe uh, women have been forgotten in the consumer technology space. I mean, before we hit record, you, you kind of pointed out that what after, after women have given birth, 80% of them suffer from, a, from, from circumstances where their pelvic floor is weakened and maybe they sneeze and, and they pee a slight, a slight amount. And if that was a, a man and you've got 85% of men in the workforce facing that problem, someone would have probably come up with a, with a solution. Yeah, I've heard countless women uh, come to us because our first product, uh, LV Trainer, does exactly that. I mean, one in three women generally have pelvic floor issues, which is usually around stress, urinary incontinence. So, you know, like you said, they sneeze and they pee or, or, or they run and they pee a little bit. And really the solution has been, you know, pads. Uh, and we launched something that actually can solve that problem as opposed to covering it up. Um, but uh, I think we find generally that um, women come and say, you know, if there's been so much investment in men's products 
um, whether it's you know erectile dysfunction or all of that. I mean, billions have been spent there. So they joke, and I've heard this so many times. Women say, "Listen, if if men were walking around, you know, peeing when they sneeze, within six months they'd have a solution." Yeah. So it's amazing that we haven't had solutions like this for all of women's issues uh, a lot faster. Do you think I'd be quite interested when you hire? Uh, men or you start talking actually no not high because that's I, I don't think that's going to be the right kind of context but if you start talking to male friends and you start explaining what LV do are you ever met with with guys kind of not recoiling slightly but finding it a little bit awkward because the first time that I saw an LV product I was in John Lewis uh, my sister had just given birth so my nephew um, is nine months old so it was when she was during pregnancy so, so it's got to be about a year ago and I saw the pelvic floor trainer and I was shopping with my wife we were looking for, for gifts for the newborn baby uh, as, as he was to be and I felt in a rather immature way slightly kind of prudish about this pelvic floor trainer and I just wonder if that's a common reaction if men are kind of slightly just not wired into this conversation in the right way and, and you, know, you need to educate them and bring them around to the issue first. Yeah, I think I think some men, and, and that's some of the issue. I mean, it's a. I mean, our first product is talking uh, about a product for the vagina, so naturally, it's a more complicated subject, and some men would might find that uncomfortable. And I think that's been, to be honest, probably the fundamental problem. We have lots of major companies being run by men who are very talented, but you know, if they can't, what we're trying to do is is elevate the conversation. These are serious issues uh, that are really bothersome for women and. They need people, men and women, that are okay to have this conversation because mm. it's it's an important thing. I mean, the fact that you could solve, uh, you know, certainly um, we have millions and millions of women out there that are suffering. And if we can't just have an honest conversation about these issues, we can never solve them. So part of our journey, at least at LV, is we do things to try to create more dialogue around them. Because once people are talking about them, we can actually solve them. And you mentioned that your other product is a breast pump. Yep. Um, when was the breast pump first conceived and how long has it been since it's been innovated? Yeah, so the, the original breast pump was designed about 150 years ago. Uh, if anybody wants to Google it, they can see the original images of it, uh, original designs of it. It will look shockingly almost identical to how they look today. Um, and it was only about, it was modeled after a cow milking machine. So unsurprisingly, uh, it, was, it was developed for women and, and breast, breast pumping. It was only electrified 30 years ago. That's been primarily the, the biggest innovation to date. Uh, so it was only until we talked to consumers and women and, and asked them what they'd really want that we realized that they said, you know, in an age of driverless cars, why should I be stuck with a noisy contraption with wires and tubes and plugs uh, where I literally need to be sat, you know, behind closed doors and plugged in with a very loud machine um, pumping away when I could actually just get on with my day and do it, you know, basically on board. So we developed a silent wearable breast pump that slips inside the bra and allows a woman with an app to control and have, you know, be able to breast pump wherever she is in the world, whether that's in the surgical theater or in a boardroom or sitting in a restaurant. What I find really interesting is you're going out and you're talking to women. And I, and I loved that you said, again, before we hit record, that you said that finally someone is listening to me. And that would appear such a key dynamic, right? You've got a huge marketplace that's sitting there crying out for this in a, for, the, for, for innovation. I imagine marketing is still a, a complicated job here, but that must make it so much easier. You must have such brand advocacy out in the marketplace. Yeah, I find. I mean, I've been I've been in marketing for about twenty five years, and I've worked for some of the 
biggest brands in the world, whether it's Procter & Gamble, L'Oreal, Apple, and I've had the privilege of, of marketing and being around some amazing products. And I find that once I came to LV, I mean, we have two products that literally deliver 100% on the unique selling propositions. I mean, they, they are designed to deliver exactly what they say they're supposed to do. And I can tell you, and I'm sure a lot of listeners out there who certainly are in marketing will attest, I would say over 90% of the products I've dealt with in the past have always had some Achilles heel that we spend time marketing around uh, to make sure consumers don't focus in on them. So the reason why our referral rates and, and, and women are so excited and so passionate about our products is because they really do deliver. Uh, and that makes our job from a marketing standpoint or communication standpoint a lot easier because we know all we need to do is get it in their hands uh, for them to want to tell the world. And, and I will say that it's such an, the products we sell are so emotionally connected, whether you're solving, uh, you know, stress urinary incontinence or back pain with our pelvic floor trainer, LV, LV trainer, or whether you're finally freeing a woman to get on with her day and do whatever she wants to do while breast pump, breast pumping and providing milk for her baby. These are, you know, uh, the number one thing we hear is this is changing my life. And that's a phenomenal place. To how, how does that feel? Because you've worked for some amazing brands. You said you've been in what Europe for twelve years. You've turned around the UK and Irish business with Sony. You've been GM at Paramount uh, for, for Europe, right? Uh, and uh, Apple. You held iTunes in, in Europe. So amazing brands. Uh, stuff that people want. You know, people want access to iTunes and content. But this must feel step change different, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I've worked, I've worked for some phenomenal companies that build amazing brands and products, and, and they're wonderful. I think for me, I wanted to get into a space where I felt like I could really do good, if you will. I mean, I want to feel good. I mean, I've got two young daughters, you know, under the age of eight, and I wake up every morning, and when I tell them I'm going to work, they get really excited because they, they love the fact that daddy's going out and actually improving women's lives and helping women. And if I guess if I can't be a doctor, I can be in a business like this that actually makes a difference. And so I think the, the whole purpose-driven aspect of what we do means that it's not just that we're selling things, it's actually we're making a difference. The purpose point is interesting because often when you talk to startups, you kind of get this bizarre thing about the generational divide between Gen Z and millennials. They're, you know, they're taking over the workplace, they're now the majority in, in, the, in most work environments, and they look for mission, they look for purpose. But I, I think that's narrow, and I think it's disingenuous to experienced professionals who, like you've just articulated, are also looking for that purpose element. And you, you said that you were looking for a company where you could build something and, and you did have that purpose. You didn't necessarily want to work for a charity. You wanted it to be something that you really could build. Do you think that people miss that point, that there are a lot of people potentially like yourself that are being missed out upon by the sector? Um, I think so. I mean, we, we've more recently raised $42 million in our Series B, and obviously we've done more hiring as of late. And the number one thing we hear, whether they're coming into for a job with us or just out on the street and we're meeting friends, uh, people, uh, certainly women in our space, but men and women are really always tell us, you know, you know, I would love to work in a place where I felt like I was doing something positive and I was actually, you know, making a dent in the universe. So I think this comes from a core belief that people have. Maybe they've always had it, but, you know, there's phenomenal jobs and there's phenomenal companies in lots of areas. But to finally be able to do something where you can really just truly feel good about that actually makes a difference. Uh, and maybe leave your mark a bit uh, in doing that, I think, is, is, is certainly a trend we see. And I'd be surprised if, if other of the listeners haven't experienced it. And if they haven't, uh, they should ask their friends about that. What I find bizarre 
about your story and so interesting. The amount of startups that we talk to where they have mentors and they have people who lend them experience and know-how because quite frankly, if, if you are a startup founder, there are loads of people who have no experience of dealing with 90% of the job that they suddenly take on. Marketing in particular is an area where they just have no experience and no idea about really what to do. And they're under huge pressure because they've got someone else's money that they're burning through very, very quickly. So they want to see return on investment. They talk to a growth hacker. They can't understand where the SLA and KPIs are going to be. And they, it just doesn't compute. And yet you said to come here, you felt that you needed to build credibility, which is weird, frankly. Right. Yeah. About five years ago when I was at Apple, I, I, I finally decided that uh, I wanted to actually be part of the growth story of a business and, and get closer to the inception of it. So I said, you know what I want to do? I want to go work at a startup, which was a whole different journey from a corporate background. And so in doing my research, I spoke to you know at least over 100 startups that were all very exciting. And the general response was, is, is Clearly, we love your background. You clearly can do the jobs. I mean, these are senior level roles I was talking to them about. Uh, we're not worried about that. Your ability to deliver instantaneously is going to be big. What we're worried about is that you've never worked for a very small company before. And, you know, can you handle small budgets and can you handle small teams? Uh, and, and I just found that actually quite shocking that it was everywhere, even though I was saying that, you know, I'm literally leaving Apple, one of the world's biggest companies, come do this. So it doesn't get any more committed to, to, to that. Uh, and the resounding response was the best thing to do is to go out and show how committed you are to the startup community is by going out and, and consulting with, you know, and, and mentoring startups, showing that you understand what startups are all about and building up a credibility in the community where people actually can vouch that you actually understand, which I found unbelievable. But I, at the time, I did what I had to do. It may be a bit different nowadays, but I certainly don't hire that way here at LV. I don't necessarily assume that somebody needs startup experience to be brilliant here. Yeah, this is interesting because you are you are a startup and you're growing. So what do you look for? In because because people would assume maybe that you are looking for someone with that traditional startup background, but yeah. it's just interesting dynamic to find out. I think it depends on the role, but uh, we've hired a, a who's who of phenomenal backgrounds. I mean, we're a consumer products company that builds phenomenal technology products. So, I mean, we, we sell through retailers, and so we're, we're much like any other consumer products company fundamentally. And so, you know, hiring marketers and people in sales and finance who have worked in companies like that. I mean, we have people here from Apple, L'Oreal, Dyson, Coke, Diageo, as well as people uh, who have a mixed background of corporates and startups and, and pure startups. I, I think it, it, it's, not, it's not necessary that you've worked in the startup. I do think it's very helpful that you really understand what you're doing if you're going to come from a corporate that you have at least spent some time thinking about it because there is a different feel. It's certainly very fast moving, mm -hmm. much faster in a startup than any other corporate. So I think it, we, we, have, we at LV spent a lot of time with candidates just vetting that and trying to be as transparent as we can about what it's like so that they've at least thought it through because it is true that it is different, but I don't think it's, it's crucial that you have startup experience. And if I were just going to go one step further, I think people who have some well-oiled background in corporates sometimes know what good looks like. And it's really helpful if you're building something to have somebody who has an idea of what good or has an amalgamation of what good looks like. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean they need to create the Coke operation at LV, 
but they need to have some understanding of different structures and different ways of working and maybe a fusion of that, but they have an idea of what the North Star looks like as opposed to literally, let's just find our way. Yeah. Look, I think it's fascinating. I think what LV are doing, uh, well, not only are they obviously bringing great consumer products to the market, but it's a really important message as well. So I really appreciate you giving up some time to talk to us this morning and, and have a lovely weekend as it's Friday morning. You too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, look, I don't mind admitting that I am fully on board with what Darren says about elevating the conversation and talking about it um, maturely and that women's issues have been ignored. But I do feel that there's a large part of the population that when talking about the products that LB make would feel a little little bit uncomfortable. See, I was thinking about this and I get it because it's not something that's spoken about. And I do think I agree with him that the more you talk about it, see it would help eliminate the stigma. But I also feel as well, I, you know the example you gave? Yes. Well, yeah. In John Lewis. Yeah. But wouldn't you get that exact same reaction if it was any other kind of squeamish product, like something to do with like oh, yeah. ED or like diarrhea or something like, you know. That well, maybe not diarrhea, but I, I remember, I, I just think there's an element that I'm not very mature because we did, <laughs> do you remember our, our live show uh, at the meetup that oh, we yeah. did a few, a few months ago and I was asked on stage if I buy tampon uh, <laughs> for my wife and I said, no, actually, it turns out I have. Hayley corrected me when I got home. She was like, no, you have. And I was like, have I? Okay. <laughs> but it wasn't so much the tampon thing. It was just me being squeamish about everything because I feel really awkward or used to feel very awkward anyway about buying condoms. So yeah. it's not a male-female thing. I think I'm just a not very well-developed human. No, but I get that. Though. <laughs> I, I, I do think that's like, that applies to more things than others. I don't think it's very female-focused. And I, I think it's like wrong to say that it is a female-focused thing that's why people are squeamish. I think there's a variety of products out there that naturally invoke that reaction, like buying condoms or something like well, that. Well, I, I think the thing is, like, I, I am far more comfortable talking about the breast pump than I am about the pelvic floor trainer, because the pelvic floor trainer, as Darren says, is about the vagina. And you can't very... even say it. You I, did, I just did. did. You know, you I just did. did. You did choose to struggle to get that out. But <laughs> one, you... <laughs> Thanks, Robin. Why you you inherently, wrongly obviously in this case, because it's nothing to do with sex, but one you inherently link to something sexual and one you kind of don't. Yeah. And mm. there's products out there and male products as well that it's, it, you just get a bit prudish because it's yeah. genitalia and private parts and whatever else and you've, like, you naturally tense up when talking about it because you feel... Yeah. But I think it's really positive that obviously there's an organisation like that and, and guys like, like Darren who are encouraging people to talk about it in a mature way and elevating the conversation. And he, he actually, after we stopped recording, talked about interviewing a woman for a role there who he kept using the word vagina during the interview process and she kept coming back saying women's issues and women's products mm. and she wouldn't use the word and he kept using it purposely to see if she was comfortable talking about it yeah and because she wasn't because she kept avoiding using that word he was worried that she might not adopt to the culture and be comfortable talking about it Mm. without having some kind of reaction and decided that whilst she had all the skills wasn't right for the culture of the business and that that was an interview interview, was it in an interview yeah. yeah so that's really interesting I think that's that's commendable that they understand that I hope I hope that that feedback was passed on. I'm sure it was, Mm. but that they are talking about these things in a way that is totally um, without bias and 
that they're, that they're very worthy of having the conversation so that millions of women who are facing issues don't feel left out by industry. Yeah, I, I really respect it. I think for a market and a company like this, you have to have that, that passion and kind of that want of understanding to drive it. Obviously, it isn't, it isn't going to work and that ha- you have to be able to eliminate that squeamishness of talking about it. It's actual product that you're selling. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that is that the, the pinpoint of it. I do find it very respectable that a man who doesn't even relate to it at all is taking that step to be like, right, that's what I want to do and I have an absolute drive for it. Yeah. It doesn't even affect his life and never will. And I thought the part of him saying, you know, I have two daughters, I thought that, that was that was nice that he's taking that How great is that? You know, that, that fact that we often mm-hmm. talk about purpose and mission and it's some kind of Gen Z thing. But no, here's, here's a guy who's had an amazing career, who has a young family, mm-hmm. and he gets that drive from his daughter's being proud of their dad going out and helping women. Yeah, I think that's lovely. But just, just listening to it, I it's put me off wanting to have kids from a very long time. <laughs> I, it, it, you just don't even consider all the problems that can come afterwards with it. You just you didn't. And I was hearing that thinking, I'm going to pee when I sneeze. I can't go for a run without peeing. And I was like, no. Well, that's <laughs> why they have the, that's why they have the pelvic floor, floor trainer. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's just crazy, isn't it? All problems like that you wouldn't even consider and actually would have such a big impact on your life. And it's a shame that these things aren't out there already or if they are, they're not, you know, about the breast pumps that are still very mechanical and they're they're not adaptable. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that because my my sister is expressing at the minute, um, but she's in a great position where she's got a husband who is working full time. She's been able to take maternity leave uh, Mm. for the full year or whatever it is you know the little or nine months a bit just before and then the whole period afterwards and she's at home and she's been able to breastfeed and although yes she goes out and she does do some stuff a lot of the time she can she can fit it around times that she's at home Mm. whereas say you're a single mother or you have to go back to work because of financial circumstances even if you are in a relationship uh, but you do want to breastfeed you mm. don't have that freedom. And I, 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 I'll, I'll be honest, I'd never really kind of thought that through. Yeah, and it actually makes me quite sad, like, of, of that image of someone going into like, a toilet cubicle and having yeah. to deal with that at work and not really having anyone being able to understand or having the technology needed that's adaptable to those kind of more, like, just discreet needed circumstances. Yeah. So I think something like what they're doing will help so many more women than probably what a lot of people even realise and probably more than a lot of women tend to admit as well. Because you get some people that might be a bit more kind of introvert. They won't want to talk about these things. Yeah. And won't want to do these things and would actually really struggle. Whereas, as I know, if someone's a bit more confident and kind of you talk about it, might find it a bit more easier. But Well, I also think to your point as well, you know, you're saying like, oh, it might put me off kids for a little while. And talking about, I mean, how much do you realistically know about breast pumps right now? No, Probably not a lot. Not a lot. And, and um my wife Hayley was talking to one of our friends, Emma, who's just had her first child. And she was talking about the fact that in the run-up to conceiving their baby, she was struggling to get pregnant. And everything at school is about preventing pregnancy. Yeah. And no one ever teaches you how to get pregnant safely. No one ever teaches you actually what then happens, what you need to consider. It is this massive, ridiculously steep learning curve that... In particular, mothers, but also fathers, have to go through where no one's ever sat them down and talked to them about all this stuff before. That's a really good point. I never saw it from that from that angle before. Because with all with all this kind of the, the safe sex education, just makes you assume that everyone can get pregnant. Like, there's no issues there, and I think it's a massive shock to the system that some people 
can't just yeah. assume oh yeah like if i if i'm not safe and that's it i'm having a kid and that your parents scare you, scare you and school scares you like and for that not to happen i think that's a really interesting point i never considered that before and i think there definitely should be more around it we never really thought about it until Hayley and emma were talking to each other they, it was news to it was news to them yeah like yeah no one's ever sat us down and gone how do we do this safely yeah so and i think i think it's brilliant that there's a company like lv that are generating conversation for for women and that that conversations like this might come off the back of it for men and women, right? Yeah, definitely. How mental that he had to go out and effectively volunteer to get the job. Yeah, I, you know, I do, I understand it to an extent, um, but I, I do see both sides of the argument. I do get how, so going into a startup culture, there's a lot more risks and uncertainty and challenges that you wouldn't typically find in a big corporation, which provides all the certainty and support that you need like working for a big company like Apple so I, I do see how there could be a massive culture shock but there's a risk in starting a new business and mm. if you can hire someone who you know can deliver yeah and you've got limited reserves of cash why would you not welcome that person into your into the family with with open arms to say come and help us with all of your experience like I found it really interesting that he was talking about um you know, let's let's be honest. Corporates know what good looks like. I liked that phrase. Yeah. 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 Like, you don't need to rebuild the co-operation at LV, but that person from the co-operation might know what the North Star looks like, rather than just feeling your way. And I think that's a massively valuable point. Definitely, that's the other side of it. So I, I I get it from both arguments, and I think he's right. You have these people from those different top tier companies that he listed off that are created in their own right and can definitely benefit a company. And I don't think you know, a startup should shut the door to talent when they desperately need it. And these people, they know what they're doing because they work for you know, really great companies. So I completely I appreciate and respect his approach to that as well because it must have been a shock to the system, but also I think it's really respectable that he did then take that step to kind of prove that he was committed. Yeah, he felt that it was unbelievable, but it was like, right, if, if that's the step that I have to take to be part of building something where I can leave my mark, then yeah. I've got to do it. Yeah. I think some people would turn around and go, no, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I Maybe they'd feel affronted. Yeah. I just wonder whether maybe some startup founders feel could feel threatened by someone with that level of experience coming into their business say you've got a business of like 10 15 people mm. and you're building it and then someone comes in who's got like 30 years worth of experience whether it's a bit of an ex an excuse like you know they're right for your business but you're finding a reason why they wouldn't quite fit because you're worried that they're going to come into your business and i get that yeah because i guess it's if, if it's your thing that you're wholeheartedly putting your entire life into it Guess you would feel slightly threatened someone coming in, taking it over. Well, if, you, if, if it. you've got a director from Apple sitting in the room as then part of your company and, yeah. they, and they're giving you some advice, do you then feel under pressure to be like, oh yeah, do what he says because he knows more than I? I'm not. I'm not saying that that is what's happening. No, I'm just I wondering whether that's a dynamic. But it happens. Like Facebook, <clears throat> for example. Have you seen that film? Um, oh, what's the film? Social like? Network. Yeah. And like they, they, they those jobs oh, yeah, have that yeah. idea, and he comes in, basically takes it from them, and then screws his best friend over, and like shuts them out of the business. It happens. Like I see, like there's probably like some people out there that yeah. probably think, oh, I'm a bit protective. Of I mean, how factual that Justin Timberlake bit is to the Facebook story, but I can definitely see that dynamic. He was a bastard in that film. He was, which is a shame because I love Justin Timberlake. I know, but you hate him in that film, don't yeah. you? Smarmy. <laughs> anyway, any anything else? 
I, I thought his approach was great. I think I think for a product like this, I think it's really important that you have people that want to like push and drive and have that initiative. And I think if you don't have that drive behind you, then it's just not going to work. So I think for products like this, then yeah, you definitely need people behind you that really care about the cause and yeah. want to take it forward. Because no matter the goodwill, you need that. Yeah, That's and cool. I think it's sad. I think the the examples that were given about how like if this was like a, a male problem in six months, it would probably be sorted. And yet half the population is female. Like, why have these problems been picked on before? Yeah, when he describes, you know, men view women problems as niche. That's like, crazy, what, isn't what, it? What niche? Half the population? Yeah, because people don't want to talk about it. But um, Crazy. Yeah, really crazy. But I, I don't think it's been... Um, what was the word he used? It, was, it wasn't ignored, forgotten. Mm. But I don't think that it has been forgotten. I think it's been ignored because it is a male-dominated society. It's, you know, a lot of male figures in charge of big businesses and corporations the thing is a problem that hasn't just been forgotten about i think people are very aware of it but because it doesn't affect the people at the top they don't want to deal with it yeah that's my take on that there we go let's go to our advert break we'll be back with a little bit of tech news to finish off the show shortly It's nearly the summer holidays, but school isn't quite out because General Assembly, a pioneer in education and career transformation, specialising in today's most in-demand skills, have an offer for you. So GA offer a wide range of programmes in web development, data science, user experience design, digital marketing, product management and lots more. And for you, for our listeners, they've got an offer of 25% off their classes and workshops by applying the code TECHTALKS25 at the checkout. There are some terms and conditions. They asked me to ramp them. Frankly, that's not going to happen. But I can tell you that the code is valid until August the 31st. And it's not applicable to GA's full-time, part-time or online circuit courses. Once the code's applied, workshop tickets are non-transferable. The discount code cannot be retroactively applied to workshop tickets already purchased or used in conjunction with other discount codes. One thing, as a former technology recruiter, I can tell you that there's a real shortage of some of these skills in the market. So, with all this beautiful weather that we're having, I reckon there are far worse uses of your time than getting down there and doing a bit of continuous learning. Welcome back to Tech Talks. One quick bit of tech news for you on this lovely Thursday show. Uh, it's kind of related, LV's, LV's health tech of a sort. Mm. Uh, this is all about the NHS, who've teamed up with Amazon to bring Alexa to patients. Have you seen about this? I think it rings a bell, but continue. So, voice assistant enlisted to aid elderly and blind patients who cannot easily search for advice. Now, I picked up on this because in my Twitter feed this morning, I saw someone reposted it saying, it's a no from me. Mm. And the initial headline underneath it was, Alexa and NHS partnership, yada, yada, yada. And my initial reaction was, oh, are we sure about data and privacy here? But it's not reading into it. I'll, I'll give you a bit more info. It, it's not like that. It's the stuff that they're putting on there are NHS answers to questions such as, Alexa, how do I treat a migraine? Alexa, what are the symptoms of flu? Alexa, what are the symptoms of chickenpox? Mm. 
And there's no accessibility thing, right? They're, they're the types of questions that people will very easily type into the internet. But if you're blind or you're elderly or you, you can't easily use a computer for whatever reason, traditional mm. computer, this is a really positive step. I think it's a really good idea. I remember reading this and that, well, briefly, kind of skimming past it now. I think it's a really good idea, not just for that as well, but also like you can type in these questions to, to the internet and get a, a range of unreliable sources that you're kind of pacing your own medical diagnosis from. Yes. And everyone goes on, on just such a simple medical question. And everyone's got cancer. Yeah, yeah that's it. Like, you just don't want to Google it because yeah, yeah. it's like, you're going to die. And it's just like, oh. But then, like, I think it's a good a good way to kind of prevent those conspiracy theories, whatever you want to call it, from getting in your head and actually having more reliable sources to, to help treat and I, th- I think that's a really important point. I mean... Um, the health secretary, Matt Hancock, has even said today, technology like this is a great example of how people can access reliable, world-leading NHS advice from the comfort of their home. And that reduces the pressure on hardworking GPs. Like, trying to get a GP appointment right now, we've just had one of our surgeries closed down. So surgery that we use in St. Margaret's has suddenly got twice the number of patients. Oh. It can take, it takes so long to get an appointment. And I bet so many of the appointments, and I'm sorry to... To, to, to think negatively of most people going to doctors, but I bet it's stuff that can actually be solved pretty easily. Yeah, me too. It's why I don't, I rarely go to doctors for that reason, so I know I get an appointment for like three or four weeks, and by that time it's normally solved anyway, yeah. or it's nothing particularly urgent. So I just put off going unless I, I really need to for that exact thing. So I don't want to just, you know, wait weeks at a time and then end up going there. My problem's then solved, but I'm still going to go anyway to have an appointment, yeah. and it's a waste of everyone's time. And I'll be perfectly honest, like, I understand why 111 has been put in place Mm. because it's trying to reduce the burden on 999 and the emergency services. But the people on 111 have limited training. That much is evident. They ask you certain questions when you call up 111 to determine whether or not you need medical, like a callback from an actual nurse or 999 to take over and send an ambulance yeah so they'll ask you questions like no matter what happens is the patient breathing mm. um is there heavy blood loss etc 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 actually with with where a, a narrow artificial intelligence is right now those are the kind of questions that alexa could handle yeah that's true. again yeah like that that could be i'm not you know, that, that piece could be fully automated. Oh, yeah. I, I had to call up 111 once because my friend had severe food poisoning. Right. Um, and we didn't want to obviously call 999 for that, but then, like, we needed help. And, yeah, I remember them just asking, like, a kind of a checkbox yeah. load of questions. I, but, I can promise you, having called it several times with Hayley, it, it is the same question every time. It, it gets to the point where it's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. Because, like, my friend was in the background, like, being violently sick. The person can hear him on the phone. And he was like, can you please get someone here? And I, you have to ask these questions, but it was just really irrelevant questions and you're getting frustrated. And I think, I agree with the Alexa point, that would be a really handy place to implement that. But I do think when you're in stressful situations, having that human kind of voice and interaction on the end of the phone might help a little bit and might try and calm situations. But if it gets you through quicker to getting to the person you actually need to talk yeah, to. Yeah, that's true. But then like, what if there's any problems? <coughs> Well, you know, I mean, Alexa is hardwired into your internet and if you ask ask certain questions, if you answer certain questions in a certain way and it triggers a response to go, there's something more serious on here, Mm -hmm. that the the AI could know that and then route you through to a proper call. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think think the key point here is it's it's, it's giving reliable information in an accessible way, in 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 a medium voice, which is growing and is inclusive, 
that's brilliant. Yeah. The initial thing of, oh, hang on a minute, what about privacy and data concerns? Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm happy giving out low-level information about myself if it improves the health service. Yeah, me too. I think it's a really good idea. I can see how from the, maybe that initial headline, Amazon teams up with NHS. People might be like, what? Yeah, but yeah. I think if you read into it, I think it's a really good idea. And I think... You know, people people do read in too much to unreliable sources. I think that will that will help cut out a lot of problems. I, I think a lot of the issue or the concern comes with if I give my data to someone from a health tech perspective, how do I know that that data won't also be used in some other ways by corporate? whatever, you know, that, that, that transparency around how your data that you're giving away is actually then further used is, is really interesting. So people are happy to give away their data if they think it's going towards a cause like uh, curing cancer. Yeah. But to be perfectly frank, I've got Alexa in my home. I know Alexa is listening to every single conversation. Mm. The amount of data they're already collecting on me is sky high. And I don't think that <laughs> I'm giving away any extra data through going, hey, I've got a migraine, what's the best way to solve it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, it is a bit too late, isn't it, yeah. for anything? <laughs> so not a headache I'm going to concert myself yeah i agree there we go look that's the end of our thursday show thank you for listening next week we are at unbound which is the 17th and 18th at truman brewery which is in east london i'm going to be moderating a panel uh will tech save the world so come along to that and there's loads of tech talk speakers on various other stages throughout the course of the two-day conference so come along check it out there's still time to get some tickets if you want some why don't you dm me at tech double underscore talks slide on the DMs. for a good reason <laughs>